So welcome everyone to the, I think, the fifth episode now of the Catreduda podcast. And today's guest is Charade. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, hi. Um, I'm I'm a bit of a noob on warships. I've only been playing for about a year, but um, a bit like uh, furniture really on Twitch. I've been around since 2012. Um, but, but yeah, I'm pretty much the resident derp of the warships directory, just slowly making my way through and learning as I go. Um, mostly a battleships player, but I'm trying to embark into the world of DDs and um, frequently torpedoing my allies. But you know, we're we're getting better slowly <laughs> with with a lot of help from people. But yeah, slowly but surely, I will become less of a derp. That's the plan, anyway. And yeah, I just make random videos on the interwebs and do my thing. <laughs> That's pretty much it, really. And now you can't even like do damage to your teammates anymore. If you're I know, yourself. right? That's I, st I still managed to nearly go pink today. <laughs> Silly accident. I hit my friend that was in my own division, unfortunately. Um, but but yeah, though the, the the changes somewhat helped me a little bit at least. Um, my my first two months in the uh, the game, I actually went orange twice, so that was joyous. <laughs> All through torpedo accidents, completely accidental. <laughs> I was like not on purpose, I swear. But yeah, I was a bit of a train wreck to say the least. So well, um, I'm I, I'm not going to say you know that that. You solely are the reason why Wargaming made the team damage it, changes. But... It feels like it, though. It really does. <laughs> <sighs> oh, but yeah. As I say, I think, I think it's kind of a good change, that, to be honest, at least for someone like me, anyway. <laughs> but hey-ho. <laughs> so... Uh, it has been a bit of a slow week for, for Warships news, so we've decided to talk about more general topics this week. And the first thing we thought we could talk about are call-ups, actually. Uh, there have been quite a lot since Wargaming started, uh, with, I guess, mixed success. Uh, the most recent one hasn't, like, been so great, I guess, with, with Godzilla and stuff. So, what what are generally your thoughts on collapse? I mean, I, I like the idea generally, but some of them specifically. I mean, yeah, the the whole the thing with the Godzilla and King Kong turned out not too great from the the way they handled it and the way they marketed it. Um, but some of the ones they've done in the past as well with how they uh, gate things behind bundles. I'm not a fan of that particularly either. So, although I, I, I like them in principle and stuff like the the Warhammer one, for example, like with, with the, the voice lines that came with the captains for that were really good. So, you know, it was, if it was stuff consistently on that level... It'll be great, but I, I guess the thing when we're looking in from the outside is it, it's 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 never just wargaming that that's in charge of these things. It being a, a collab, it's it's the nature of it that some other companies' uh, IP uh, is involved, and so that they've probably got quite a significant say in in how things are handled as well. So it's never we can never look at it and be quite sure if if. If things have gone well, or if there's been kind of a goof, you know, is this how much of it is is on wargaming's 
side and how much of it is the uh, the other company that they're dealing with and the conditions they've imposed. Personally, yeah. I'd really like to see more Warhammer, though. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. More Warhammer would be nice, I think. And I'm also, saying, I agree. <laughs> I'm a Warhammer nut. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Warhammer offers so much more, right? We which only have like chaos and uh, the empire. There, why not some orcs? I, f- I feel like there would oh, be yeah. a huge, uh, huge crowd that would like some orc battleships. I, I, yeah. I, I want me a Tau skin for something because I'm I'm that guy. Thing is, they don't even need to stick just with the 40k stuff. They could go into the fantasy. Sigma side of it as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can do a blend. So they don't have to stick just to one side of it too. So there's a lot of flexibility with the material there as well. And it was actually the Warhammer collab that got me into the game because my partner saw it. Oh right. He was like, hey, let's play this game. And I was like, it's got Warhammer, let's try it. And um <laughs> he likes military <laughs> history. I like history, but I'm more on the classic side of things. Um and yeah, that was the patch last year where me and him joined. That's, okay. that's exactly why I got into the game. We thought, hey, we'll try it. Why not? Because we were faffing around on another Steam game that was Warhammer related, and uh, and that's kind of what spun it off really for me and him. Um, so you know, I mean, it just shows the power of collab. Sometimes that can all that you know be needed to 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 get someone to examine something and give it a shot. You know, because obviously I knew about warships. I knew about World of Tanks beforehand. I just hadn't taken that leap to go install it and try it so having something that i was already more heavily engaged with on a more direct day-to-day basis was was kind of that leaping point you know to step off into actually getting involved and giving it a go so i think collabs have a lot of potential a lot of value they can offer it very much the way that it's done that matters though you can get some very shallow collabs and then you get the more in-depth ones personally i'm more for the in-depth side of it i'd rather they took more time over it and there was more content, more ships. I, I I agree with the sentiment that the Kong Godzilla thing was not very well done. I personally didn't like it. It seemed very quick, rushed, so on and so forth. But again, as you say, stipulations from the other side may have meant that's all they wanted, and they didn't want to go any further with it, for example. Or there could have been other reasons for it, you know, cost, logistics, licensing. There's a ton of possible things. Um but yeah, and then they have all the anime collabs as well, don't they? And then there was oh, bunch of, I'm, I'm not into the anime stuff too much. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. What's the I have no one idea. Just, was it Azulane? Uh, High School Fleet, I think, was the last one they did. They had Azulane last year. From I'm, what I'm I sure they've just been announcing stuff recently for Azulane. Uh, I don't know. I've seen stuff they? on the Discord with a bunch of the uh, more anime inclined. I lose track. Pieces. I I lose track. I have no clue with that stuff. Um. But... It's, it's funny. It's funny how they all seem to be very busty. Very strange, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, no, I, I heard from my partner who I got into anime. <laughs> Apparently, the bus size ca- correlates to the caliber of the guns in some animes, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know for personal experience. So I have no idea on that one, but that's just what I've heard at least, anyway. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing with the collabs is they vary a lot. I, I think there's some really well good ones that are worth it and then there's others i think as i say they they could have been could have been baked in the oven a bit longer you know they could have done with a bit more work potentially um, what i'm personally surprised is that they've never like had a call up like sort of game mode i mean world of warships had a lot of special game modes for halloween for april <laughs> fools for like the water world thing that the key battles and so on but for a call up they never have gone like the the extra mile it feels like even though there is yeah 
Like, well, there should be a lot of money in it. Kind of, technically, you could argue the Dunkirk operation. Like, that's probably the furthest they've ever gone in that direction, even though... Uh, I don't... Were there any premiums associated with that? I can't remember. What was that call-up with the movie back then? Uh, that was, yeah, that, that was... That was um, uh, that, yeah, they were kind of marketing the Dunkirk film, Christopher Nolan's film. So they they did the operation, um, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's been anything else like that. I don't even think World of Tanks has done anything like else like that. And they've certainly done uh, collaboration stuff in the past. There's even um, a couple of Warhammer 40k skins, I think, for a couple of tanks. And on one of the console versions, there's an actual. I don't think it's a Lehman Russ. It's some other kind of actual Warhammer tank. Which I was very disappointed didn't come to the uh, the PC version. Hmm. See, I let me talking about game modes, right? I mean, one thing I'd love them to do is maybe collaborate with some museums, and instead of taking it from the fantasy IP kind of route or movie IP route, take it from the angle of working with museums with regards to historical events, and expand on operations because I know there are a lot of people that want that and. Take it from the point of view of doing a bit like old, the old Microsoft Flight Sim games, where you get an opening cinematic that sets the scene, and you go and do a historically important event that occurred, and maybe follow it through as the years go by, and follow through specific engagements. And then you've got the option there for players to verse off each other on both sides. You could also have everybody just collaborate against bots, and you could also have the bots in there to mix it up, potentially for both sides. And see see if you can change history. Can you rewrite history? Can you follow through on what was done historically? And then potentially integrate educational material into that as part of what the museum is perhaps doing, mm. perhaps promote the museum, you know, when travel opens up and everything, of course, so that they get the opportunity to engage users. People can discover places maybe locally or internationally that they could go visit eventually, perhaps um, even for a charity drive point of view. Do you know what I mean? If they're trying to restore a ship or there's a big project that needs funding, then perhaps that could be integrated and somehow, you know, maybe people could buy a ship or they could buy something related to that that then also then chips back into the museum and the projects they're working on. You can have a very good collab in that regard in that it helps potentially with a good cause and historical preservation as well as educating players and giving people the opportunity to discover through gameplay rather than just watching a film or an interpretation or reading a book. You know, there's opportunity to expand there, right? Add a lot of value, bring accessibility. And, and, and yeah, I, I just personally, I find those kinds of games really interesting. And it may just be I'm stuck in single player disc copy mode. You know what I mean? But I, it'd be kind of cool if they could bring that into World of Warships. And like I say, you could do it in a purely PvE context or you could do it in a PvE, PvP hybrid or just pure PvP. So there's options you know what i mean and you could cycle it in and out seasonally perhaps so you could then take the old and rehash it and bring it back in perhaps to celebrate celebrate an anniversary or perhaps if a milestone is hit with some sort of collaboration in terms of preservation then you could then maybe expand on it and say hey if we hit this goal and we proceed then we're going to bring out an expanded version of a series of events to celebrate that we did this as a community and and then further enlighten people and provide people with information and then there's a degree of offsetting costs that are involved if that makes sense because they can ensure relevant number of sales to ensure that you know things are covered right as well as also facilitating helping the organization they're collabing with so i think um, that's got 
potential. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, but back back in the day, they had something with uh, USS Texas. They, it wasn't like a big color, but I think they just sold the Texas with a special camouflage and the proceeds, I'm not sure if all or part of it, went to restoring the Texas because she was in bad shape. Yeah, oh, okay. that, that was that was a couple of years ago. And I think initially it was just going to be an NA server thing and then they actually they had a good response to it, so they actually expanded it to at least the EU server and possibly elsewhere as well. But, yeah, that it would be nice if you could go and visit HMS Belfast or... Uh, was it, oh, not Lexington, I don't know, one of the preserved carriers like Midway or the USS Iowa, and, you know, you, you go there and you can actually buy a, I've got some old, like, World of Tanks code card things here, but, you mm. know, you buy something like that that's got a code on it and it's got, like, a special skin for that ship. And uh, the other the other thought I had as as, as you were talking there, Charade, was um, they, once upon a time, uh, you possibly have done this one yourself i can't remember if it was a time limited one but the um the bismarck uh campaign they did uh i don't think they've done too much like that since but it it basically as you pay through play through the various tasks of the campaign it was kind of laid out along the uh the actual historical hunt for the bismarck um which Mm. I, i thought was uh I mean, yeah, obviously I a very famous bit of naval history, but th- there's certainly a lot of scope to do that with uh, other famous naval engagements and yeah. uh, even open it up, like you say, to, to add kind of um, community goals, you know, this this many people playing this many battles. I mean, that, that's, that's quite a, 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 a big thing in Elite Dangerous, for example, is, is community goals that, that usually have two sides that players can go and... Um, collect bounties or bring material to a certain location, something like that. And the more that they contribute, the more reward they get at the end of it. So, yeah, I mean, we've yeah. kind of seen something in that vein recently, what with the Battle of the Beasts event with people yeah. on set teams. I mean, it'd be nice to see that more integrated into the actual gameplay itself rather than being a menu. Yeah, because the Beast thing is kind of abstract. It's not and it's not really tied to any particular bit of naval no. history either. no. But if they could somehow do something with it a bit more historically focused and then perhaps, mm. like I say, rather than it being just tot up a meter, something more specific in a game mode or a custom mode made for that specific event, then that, that I, th- I think that potentially would be more interesting. And, and it gives pot- people potential to explore in more depth. And the other thing, actually, just riffing off what you said a second ago, um, you were mentioning about camos and stuff for ships, but... I mean, I, when I was a little wee nugget, um, I used to have um, games like Encarta and I had um, I had like a, a, like a geology exploration, like you mm-hmm. go around a geology museum. What about that for a ship inside of warships? You pay like a season pass or something and then you can go visit a digital representation of the ship, walk around it and get commentary from the curator I, I, I and ex-naval would... officers. Like there's yeah. so much potential value in that. And then, like, as you explore, you can progress the meter and get rewards for the game or perhaps for an in-game store or something. So that would encourage people to go in there and get some something back for actually engaging in it for their pass. And then perhaps it does unlock a special mode or perhaps there's a cam or a bonus you get attached to that or something as well. But just being able to digitally go – because the thing is, right, I'm, I'm in the UK. I, I would love to go to the States and visit a bunch of ships. Even even go to certain parts of the UK, but I just can't because of travel limitations. Obviously, we've got the current world situation as well on top mm. of that. But 
for people who cannot afford to travel and spend a couple grand on plane tickets, that would be a great alternative. And we've kind of seen something similar in the vein of, you know, like Assassin's Creed Origins, where they did that like historical tour thing. Yeah. But they did. So it's something like that, but in warships, I think has a ton of potential. And if they could even get access to the museums and perhaps historical documents that are not typically shown, but they could share a digital version of it with the public, that doesn't put the documents at risk, but enables them to share that information in a more tangible fashion that people can engage with. Does that make sense? And then little like special tidbits, do you know what I mean, chucked in there for people to check out in addition to what you typically find on the internet or whatever, and also to get that more direct personal touch that would come from perhaps ex-servicemen or the curators and their personal experience of documenting all the historians, right? And and getting their like feedback and kind of almost like audiobook like segments where they could talk it through with you mm-hmm. and discuss it. I think, again, there's a lot of like potential value in that. And I think people would pay for a pass to access something like that, even if it was time limited or they could do a bundle of them or something. Do you know what I mean? Like do it in your free time. You've got a year, go nuts, right? You know, and I don't know, I just, I think there's a lot of potential for that. I think it'd be really interesting. And for someone as well, like myself, where I say I'm, I've got more understanding of classics when it comes to history rather than modern, but I'm still interested in modern. It's like gives you an access point. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing as well with the internet is unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation out there as well. Mm-hmm. So if it's like from a proper curated source, accurate, it's engaging, it's to the point. Do you know what I mean? I think that, that has a lot of value because it, it does kind of appeal to the here and now culture that we kind of have with we want immediate access. We want to know that the source of what we're reading or seeing is reliable. And that would be a great way to be like, hey, yeah, we've stamped on this. We've checked it all good. You know, it's from a credible source. And, and we can see this in a much more tangible fashion and show it and demonstrate it properly rather than just this is what they say or this is what has been. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if you if you could virtually walk around your ship, that would add a mm. lot to to it, right? And I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm not sure how much work it would be to model a ship. Probably quite a bit, but I mean, they they don't have to do it for everyone, especially not the paper ships. But like some of the just more historical ships or more well-known ships, right? And I could just you know, do like one at a time, and then for for a few bucks, just that people purchase a virtual tour where they can just explore it and so on. I mean, yeah, I, I see. I could be interested in that. I mean, yeah. I, I have been to museums. Like, the Tank Museum has uh, a number of exhibits, and I've been to the Imperial War Museum North in Salford, um, which has similar things where, you you know, you've either got a little phone thing you pick up and listen to, and it'll be... Uh, somebody's first-hand accounts of of uh, being in whatever battles that particular exhibit's about. Um, yeah, you could absolutely do that in a, in a virtual environment. And I, 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 for one, would love to be able to walk around in VR on the, yeah. some of the, the, yeah, the high-poly be... models that they've, they've done mm-hmm. for all the warships. You, you know, even if it's not, you're not going to be able to wander around the interior because obviously they haven't modeled that, but even just that would be pretty cool, stand on the deck of the the Iowa or the Yamato. Yeah, but yeah I think there is there's potentially a lot of uh, um, room there that, that they, they could work with existing museums and uh, uh, do something that would potentially bring interest to, you know, sort of run, run both ways, bring interest 
from players to those those museums and also vice versa from people visiting those museums and learning about um that you know they they could go and virtually see what it was like back in the day kind of thing but it'd be mm. a huge project to mm. to model even if we're just modeling select areas it'd probably be quite a big project to to do all that oh, be yeah, cool though definitely. it would be yeah and the other thing as well is you could take it not just from a oh have a walk around point of view but what about an active duty point of view mm-hmm. is a critical battle this battle uh, this ship was involved in stand on the deck as a gunner or whatever and witness it unfold and talk about why people were deployed in certain parts of the ship, what was necessary at the critical moments, what led to success and what led to failure, right? And and why did they position a certain way? Why did Because this, this is really good for, like, a tactical point of view for people in the game. It might get them thinking in a different way in terms of how the ships were utilised, mm-hmm. why they were deployed a certain way, why they were angled a certain way you know, how the resources were managed on board during really stressful moments when these decisions had to be made. And and also connection, right? You can talk about the key people on the decks. You can talk about the bloke at the top in charge, you know, and you can develop some of that personal connection. And I think in doing so and also giving the opportunity to see it in live action, even if it was just a scripted scenario where you just walk around the deck and you can just see the chaos unfolding and what's going on and interact with little key points maybe on the deck where it just flashes up some information or whatever um it it almost kind of like develops some sort of attachment you know what i mean when you play that ship in an actual battle i almost feel that kind of might increase the passion and involvement you have when you're utilizing that ship and if you see it again in that historical context you might think a little bit back to what you saw and then potentially use that information to change the way in which you choose to engage in randoms or in ranked or so on and so forth. Does that it's make sense? A, a, an interesting way, potentially powerful way to um, get people to build more of a, a personal connection with the, the ships that they're, they're playing on screen. Yeah. Actually, be a deeper understanding of, of what it would have been like and uh, you know obviously you don't really get any of that from playing world warships <laughs> well this is the problem kind of by being so far out you do somewhat disconnect from the people like there were people on those ships mm-hmm. real things happened people went through struggles and successes and like i say with a game where you're very zoomed out and away from the action you don't see the people running around it's very easy to go that's a hunk of metal boohoo right but when you start getting into the nitty-gritty of who the people were and what happened on and the hard decisions that had to be made like that. I think that really does create that bond and connection in a far more substantial and intricate way that you otherwise would not achieve. And I think also the other thing off the back of this as well is some people might take a tour or examine a specific event that occurred and they may actually then actually go out and buy that ship off the back of that information because they've then created some sort of personal connection to that event or they can understand it in a more tangible way. And, you know, that would in turn fund more of these projects to potentially be done as well. And and also give people more reason to explore other boats they may not have considered checking out previously. There may be somebody that's religiously a DD player that suddenly discovers something about a battleship that they find really, really cool and interesting and vice mm. versa, right? Mm-hmm. People will get right. out of the comfort zone potentially a bit more. Have you guys seen, like, the, the longest night of the museum when Sunshine Sally brought it just up? I think it was a few weeks ago where Wargaming had, like, this, what, what was it, 24-hour stream or something where they just showed, like, around, uh, people showed around ships. 
So they had like an... I missed that. Edge. Yeah, I missed that too, unfortunately. I mean, I I don't think I saw that much. That's also the thing, right? Obviously, it was just on Twitch. I don't know, maybe that's <laughs> somewhere else, but it was not anything really in-game, right? But it was just like a cool uh, thing that they had on Twitch going. But I'm also not sure how how well it was. It was probably somewhere mentioned in the launcher or so. But they they, they probably could have promoted it a bit more. I wonder, was that? I imagine that was in North America that was happening. They have quite a few museum ships there. Uh, I don't know what they all showed. I think it was a, I think it was like a twenty four hour stream or so. So I able to catch an awful lot of it. Yeah, okay. I think I know the one you mean, but I didn't get to watch it, unfortunately, just to IRL constraints. Yeah, I wonder why I keep looking down in the corner, by the way. So... <laughs> Excuse the mess of cables. Yeah, he likes to lie on top of my uninterruptible power supply. Sure, I mean, if you make a wrong move, he can just switch you off, you know? Yeah, exactly. He's got his paw on the cable. <laughs> So, uh, other things about call-ups. Is, is there, like, any other special thing that you like? So, like, personally, what I would really like to see is something like Darth Vader as a captain. Imagine every time, like, your ship's guns miss, you just hear, like, you have failed me the last time, and then you hear choking sound. Yeah, I would love that, honestly. I would absolutely love that. That'd be hilarious. Could they afford Disney? Could they afford that, the amount of money they would need for that kind of thing? Who knows? I wish and I hope. I have suggested in the past, and this is probably a bit more likely, but I mean, we've got the likes of Horace Hood as a captain you can have. So, um, uh, oh, cutting off, off my face, um, like more historical captains like uh, Drake and God, I don't even know. That's just the first one that comes to mind. But, you know, if you could have actual... Horatio Nelson captaining your HMS Nelson, for example. Yeah. Um, and, that and you know, kind of tied to that, I would also like to see more historically themed camos. And the very first one we're actually getting um, quite soon is the, the uh, is it the Colorado, the, the USS Constitution, or is it Constellation? I can't remember, but the kind of ship of the line themed camouflage perma camo for the, the colorado which does look very nice I, I would love to see something like that for some of the royal navy ships for example mm. but but yeah more more history themed captains and maybe more um like i i would absolutely go for some you know like having r2d2 be the captain of my <laughs> ship for example. it would be amazing it'd be amazing the one the one i'd really like and i can't see it's ever happening as i'd love to have monty python i want the whole cast of monty python <laughs> <laughs> and star trek as well that'd be another one i'd love oh yes i just, just love the idea <laughs> holy grail camo with some guy with coconuts on the back just <laughs> as you go off <laughs> and then a the guy with the swallow thing just kicking off i just i think it'd just be too funny it'd just be way too funny <laughs> oh gosh yeah be a french or a british camp <laughs> oh that's a good question I mean, he's he is French, so you would have to have him be a French captain, but obviously just with, you know, that Yorkshire accent. 
because that's what people from France sound like in the 24th century. <laughs> So I think we've mostly covered collapse now, or do you still have something to add, or do we want to move on to the next topic? I don't think I have anything else. No, I'm pretty cool. Just like I say, for me, it's it's I like intricate, in, intricate collabs. I don't like the like I say the Kongodzilla was a bit disappointing, unfortunately. Hey, here's an idea. This would probably tie in with your uh, classical, but uh, was it Pliny the uh, who was it? The 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 Roman that like famously cleared out all the pirates. You could have him as a as a, an Italian captain. Oh God, I'm trying to wrap my brain now. Uh, this is our completely random thoughts. Yeah, this is where I'm going to completely <laughs> draw a blank. God dang it! Oh, I should know this. I can't remember all the stuff. Top head. I probably figure it out. Um. I might have to do some Googling because I honestly cannot remember off the top of my head. But yeah, like that would be cool. That would be cool. I'd love to see as well like Jack Sparrow or something or like some really, really <laughs> old like throwback versions of ships. I know that might be a bit difficult, but maybe if you took the DDs and convert them into little Viking raiding ships or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that would be quite fun just as like a one-off. Maybe even for like a, a different mode. Do you know what I mean? Let's take ships all the way back in time. Let's do a Viking raid. You know. Or let's do old school, old school British ships. Or do, do you know what I mean? And take it all the way. Galleons. We could have like a pirate mode or something. <laughs> just go absolutely crazy and just go full Jack Sparrow on it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and, and it was, just, I think it'd be great. It was Pompeii, apparently. Oh, it was Pompeii. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying a blank. It's been a long day. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think it'd be really cool. You can do lots of really cool thematic stuff on it. And then you can yeah. even do some, like, fun. I mean, hey, they could even do, like, a Ubisoft cr- crossover. Do you know what I mean? With Assassin's Creed or something. Or, <laughs> like, if, they wanna, if they really want to ham in the collabs, do you know what I mean? I mean, that's how you do it, probably. Well, Get something would like make that a great longboat. Would. Without an Assassin's Creed crossover, I mean... You'd have to somehow get your ship to the highest point on the map to reveal the whole thing. Somehow. <laughs> Is it really bad? I came up with a really weird crossover one time. I was having a chat with the guys on stream, and we came up with a Pokemon mode. <laughs> Where basically you go around the ship, and your ammo is swapped out for uh, Pokeballs. And you've got, to, you've got to Pokeball the enemies, and basically what happens is they then go into a Pokeball, and then you have to fight them in a 1v1 inside the Pokeball, and only the victor remains and pops out the Pokeball back into the main battle. <laughs> And the idea is you're trying to move stuff back and forth between the map while trying to lock as many people up as you can in Pokeballs to keep them out of the match for as long as possible. (laughs) It's a bit weird. It's very weird. I don't know. We have really random discussions on stream sometimes. (laughs) It gets a bit odd. I can't see that one catching on, though, sadly. (laughs) No, I think that might be a bit bit too complicated for... Mm. For warships, so I think I think mods yeah. is the next thing we're going to have a little chat about. Mm. Oh yeah, I mean mods are obviously a kind of a big topic in a sense, right? There there are lots of different mods. But personally, I don't use any. Although I have to say that some mods are definitely useful, and I mean I'm always a bit torn about that because they do. I mean I'm talking about legal mods, but still there are legal mods that give a bit of an advantage, right? 
Yeah, some of them, even some of the ones in the official mod pack, feel a bit, a bit dicey. Um, I, I personally use a couple from Aslanes, but the the only two that do anything in battle are the smoke timer mod, which just gives a clearer smoke timer than the the default one, and the um, what's it called, like the points countdown mod that mm-hmm. tells you. How long oh it's going to be until, yeah, you know. I've got that one. Yeah, the yeah. score timer one. Yeah, score timer. That's it. Yeah, that that is yeah. quite useful. That one would be nice to have as a default thing you could toggle on in the, uh, mm. the UI. I mean, they used to to include ideas from mods, like for example, that the mini map thing where you can see where you're shooting on a mini map. That was originally mm-hmm. a mod that that got implemented and so on. But I don't think I've done that in recent. They, they no. kind of have stopped. Like so, so often have people like talked about things like that. That you see how long it takes for you to cap, and it's basically a mod that is in every competitive and so on of for the mm-hmm. cast. And yet they have never really. It feel like they've just stopped taking ideas from mods for some reason. I don't know why. I feel like a lot of those things should just be in the base game because they are pretty useful. But you really shouldn't have to look for a mod for a game just to get you know on a, on a level playing field. Yeah, I mean, I can see, like, from my understanding, any time you add stuff to the UI, apparently UI programming is actually a kind of surprisingly complicated thing. Uh, and any time they add stuff to the UI, it's going to have an impact on uh, on FPS. And you can even just test this out yourself by FPS versus UI on screen versus no UI when you're playing the game or playing a replay or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think there are certain things that it'd be nice if you at least had the option to toggle them on just as part of what's in the game rather than having to go and get mods for certain things. Because sometimes mod authors stop supporting things, stop updating things. Uh, for, for years and years in World of Tanks, I, I used a, a bunch of mods that added quite a lot of in- information in-game. And eventually, most, if not all, of, of what I was using mods to... Uh, uh, to, to to add in um, actually got added in by the devs and um, w- that was quite nice because uh, along the way some of the mods I've been using had been you know they, they stopped being supported so I had to go and use other different mods that did a similar thing but maybe not the exact same thing and if you're used to how everything looks on screen you know it's kind of annoying when you have to go and change things around but um yeah there's 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 definitely scope for for adding in at least a couple of ui things i I would say it'd be nice if they would look at doing that sometime in the near future but it just doesn't seem to be a a particular priority because as you say it's been a while since they've added anything new in i think i mean you said it it, like it slows down the fps but it's it's uh it always, like the UI in World of Warships shocks me so often because it feels like the UI is from a different time period than the game itself, right? This UI would have been like outdated 15 years ago, it feels like, even though the game looks modern. It always shocks me just how unresponsive and bad it is because I've played a lot of video games and it's definitely possible to make a responsive a good UI. I, I just, I'm not sure what they screwed up or where or where the code came from. But it's really weird, it feels like. 
And I mean, the mods, like, they are, they are not really dropping your FPS that much. So if, if mods can do it, then you would expect Wargaming as the company making the game could potentially figure it out as well. Hmm. Mm. It, yeah. it just depends on how they've coded things. I mean, there was a big issue for year and years and years with, with, with World of Tanks, and this is going way back. So when he did a, a, a deep dive into how the UI was mo- made, and apparently it was a bit of a kind of hodgepodge mess of various things and flash and other various bits that were kind of strung together with duct tape. So I don't know, maybe that's just a common thing for UI in games and it's like they don't want to mess with it too much because it's all just kind of a bodged mess that it, it's it's fine, it's working as is and if we touch it, it might all just break in, mm. in you know, 15 different ways that we haven't thought it could. So I can kind of understand their reluctance, but yeah. It's it, it's their game though, you know. So yeah. really it's on them to to make it accessible to the player give the player the information they need. Yeah, but exactly making accessible, right? There is, I mean, we can promote more like to UI in general, right? There is so much information in Wargaming, uh, in World of Warships that would be useful to a player. Like, for example, if, if you want to play this show, yes, it's important that you know which ship has radar, right? They could just easily add an icon. Uh, I mean, mm. I'm sure there might be mods out there that do it, I don't know. But if, if you load into a battle and you could see which ship has radar, right? Like, I mean, you, you said you've started playing like a year ago, Social Raid, right? Yeah. I, I've, yeah. yeah. There is just so much, like, Cheddar and I, we have been there from the beginning, right? We, we had time to learn all of this. But as a new player, I'm pretty sure you're probably overwhelmed by all the information that's yeah. shown at you and that nobody tells you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of my information has come from the guys that have been sat watching because they just tell me. Um, and, and just watching other people. Um Honestly, most of the education has come from those two sources. Is is just watching others on stream and and the guys responding to my questions and and just because I I'm where possible I try and I always go into a match and I check the list and I go right I think these ships have this I think these ships have either this or this and then I try and run it past the chat <laughs> and see if I've got it right kind of like quizzing myself because that I think is the best way to try and teach myself what has what. And obviously, I know that certain brackets of tiers have certain equipment that others don't. You know, you've got to be above a certain tier for radar, for example, to be in there. But yeah, as someone brand new in the game, there is so many ships. Even if you just take the first few tiers, there's just so much there. It can be it can be really daunting and confusing to start with. Mm-hmm. It really, really can. And there isn't much hand-holding or anything in that regards. I mean, one of the things I want to advocate for is is possibly the implementation of something in game that's a bit more comprehensive as a getting started guide for new players because i i my concern is that's going to be a massive turn off for people that come into the game super late like myself you know whether it is a bit of in-house video content or whether it's something from the ccs or other people just to be like here's the super super basics the 101s i know there is a playlist on youtube that wargaming was curated and done um but to have it there in game they can just click play watch it and then go straight into a match and practice that i think it it, it reduces one of the barriers because the more clicks and if you have to come out of game the less mm-hmm. likely you're engaged with it so to have it really tangible and there in game i think would help players that are new to to find and discover this stuff 
And also, like, again, the other problem I had when I started is I didn't know who to watch. I didn't know what to look at. I didn't know. And the other thing is, well, some videos are massively out of date. Things have mm-hmm. changed, right? I mean, you look at all the incoming stuff that's going on at the moment. We've had, what, the rocket change or whatever it was with the CVs. Mm-hmm. We've got a new yeah. bunch of CVs coming in. We've just had a bunch of ships removed as well. Then there was the captain rework at the beginning of the year. One of my guys that came in, he'd played prior to that, but not since. And he'd just come back to the game and he had no clue what was going on. Utterly, utterly confused, understandably, because he had no idea about it. Obviously, they put all the press info out and all the rest of it. But but unless you were around for when that came out, it's very easy for that to just get lost in the feed. And you come back in and you have no idea at all that it's happened. And they're like, hang on, why does this ship not work this this way anymore? Why am I getting dunked on, you know, the armor might have changed or an armament has changed or whatever. Or, or you know, I mean, you look what happens with, um, I don't have a Smolensk, but a bunch of people were complaining that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys probably know better than me, that they were having trouble with it because of the range on the armament and because of issues with, like, radar ships and stuff. They were finding it really, really hard to operate post-captain rework. And and that was really putting them off using that ship, and there was like some sort of struggle for a little while or something. I don't know the exact details, but if you know if somebody had played that prior and then come back in and they were like, "Hang on, what on earth's going on here? Why is this not the way it used to be?" Then it's kind of understandable they'd be a bit confused. So having really quick, easy, tangible access to go right this ship, this patch. Oh, a video on that. Okay, cool. I can get straight into that. I, I'm up to speed now. I can just go in and do that now. Do you know what I mean? To have it broken down mm-hmm. by ship, to have it broken down by patch, or to have it broken down by 101 basics for someone brand, brand new like myself. It just, it it, it breaks down those barriers, you know what I mean? And I think that's super, mm-hmm. super important. If they want to keep bringing new players in and even bring back old players who just want to get up to date with minimal faff, because people have got jobs, people have got families. We can't spend tons of hours looking for stuff. And there's such a mountain of info out there. To, to take some of that out of the equation, I think would be super, super useful for people moving forwards and, and to just get people re-engaged in the game and up to speed with what's going on. And it would improve the overall skill level of the player base if they're readily, you know, wanting to engage in that material that's presented easily with easy access, then, yeah, it can only benefit the community, right? So. Yeah, I mean... Are there, is there like actually any kind of information in game really about how consumables work? Because I mean, your radar, you've started at earliest at tier seven, right? By the time you're way past any tutorials, mm. it's like the, the radar, you probably find out the first time when somebody radars you and you're like, what's, yeah. what's going on? Why can't they see me? That's exactly what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> and it's not like the game will tell you afterwards, oh, you have been oh. detected by, I mean, you see an icon, but that's like, you see an icon and you're suddenly visible and you're like, yeah, you're what? like what's you, that? you don't know who is doing it, you don't know why, and you're mm. just dead. And that's not, yeah. like, how are you supposed to learn from that if you don't know what went wrong? Yeah, I mean, I mean, th- th- there is an element of an argument that, you know, m- game knowledge, matchup knowledge, and knowing what ship has what is part of the skill, right? You're pulling from your own database of information in your head. So, but I, I, so maybe not having an icon is justifiable in that sense, right? Because that's based on your ability to retain information and to, to hold that info, right? On the flip side, however, there's the accessibility issue that comes with that, which is there is so much. How can any one person remember all of that unless they've been around for a very long time or they've got a hell of a long time to cram for an exam, essentially? Of course, right? it's only increasing over time as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, 
I, I think I think if you made the info more accessible, or even like, hey, look, you've got your 15 access levels. We're going to handhold you a tiny bit, just that while you're in those access levels, or your first a thousand matches, or first 500, there's a little bit more info there for you on the screen, just to help you know what's what. Do you know what I mean? And then that kind of gets taken mm-hmm. away, and you get like a warning. Hey, look, by this point, you should have some idea what these at this tier at least are. And then maybe this is the other thing. Maybe it progresses as the tiers go up. Okay, tiers one to five, first 500 matches or whatever, you have that help. But then you progress into six. Oh, okay, so we're going to give you a little bit more info about the new ones, but then we're going to take that away later. And so as you progress up, you get these tidbits of information to help you. These aren't done in the sense of trying to cheat other players, but just to help people that are just accessing for the first time those tiers. And then under the expectation that later, right, you should have remembered this by now. Now we're going to take this away and you're on par with everybody else. Do you know what I mean? So it gives you an opportunity to learn and retain that Mm -hmm. information. And then past a certain point, it's like, right, you're on your own now. You've got to keep this in your head and focus. But we've done our little bit to kind of give you that opportunity in that time to to have the experience to remember these things and the particular ships act you know so on and so forth so that would kind of put it in the zone of not being cheaty but giving the accessibility do you know it's that trade-off right it's like where do you draw the line right i mean the thing is that like did the game has mods so you could just have a mod after the, it goes away like you could technically you could have a second monitor and you could just have a spreadsheet open right and you could just have all the mm-hmm. information there and look it up so i feel like it's not really bad if you give the player information that they could come by themselves it's like oh you have a second monitor where you can display all the information right and look it up in game so you have an advantage right? i mean it's that's a bit weird right why not just give more information in game just have an icon which uh, ship has, for example, radar, even if you don't like exact range or whatever, but just, just add a few icons that you know what you're facing. And also like more tutorial, right? I mean, you don't need just a tutorial at the beginning of the game. Like the first time you could run into radar, there is a new tutorial available, right? You, you are now, tier, tier 5 is the first time you could be in a tier 7 battle that is radar, right? So, hey, you've reached tier 5. That's new stuff that you could encounter, right? Make it sound yeah. exciting. Hey, you, you're now at a higher tier. There are new things that you could find. Find out more for the people who want to know. Yeah, this is where I think maybe like a mini campaign might be quite useful. And you're incentivized to go into it and discover these features in that format. Or there's a barrier that's put in before you progress to the next set of tiers where you have to complete that tutorial. Keep it relatively quick and easy to do. Mm-hmm. But at least then it... it, it it's designed in a way that before you get plonked in with random players, um, or at least it, it kind of it like into a semi-co-op s- scenario, do you know what I mean? Just temporarily, and it just splats up a bunch of info on your screen just so that you, it, it's put in front of your face for the first time, like, you're going to see this. This is going to be like stepping it up a gear. This is what you need to expect before you then go into a proper match for those tiers, if that makes sense, just to give people the chance to... Let's say you see it, right? And then mm-hmm. you've at least got some idea before you come into a wall of it and you're like, what on earth happened? You know? You know, that, that reminds me of something else. So, uh, Sharita, how confused were you about the first cyclone? Because I don't think Wargaming ever tells you exactly what a cyclone is until you run into one and you figure it out. Yeah, it randomly happened from what I remember. I can't remember exactly when it was. Um... But yeah, I think it was more just a, a logic deducing type situation. It's a cyclone; it's going to reduce visibility. That was basically the extent of right. Well, that's common sense. Other than that, it was like, okay, how do I deal with this? 
you know, is it going to affect the projectiles? I, I, I don't know. You know, I was just, I, my, my assumption was it's going to limit my range and ability to see people. That was about the extent, and it was a case of just wing it and see what happens, right? But that literally is all I had to go on at the time. So, you know, again, things like that would be useful, definitely. I'd also love to see them do night battles and stuff like that. But I think that was a thing at some point and was taken it away. It was a, an operation that started off as a kind of night battle and then oh, gradually okay. became, it kind of like went from night to dawn. Oh, okay. Although um, I've recently <laughs> noticed there is a lower tier map that's now kind of at night. I mean, it's it's just a little bit darker and you see the moon. I think that's new. Mm. The one that stands out to me is that one with, is it Northern Lights? That, that's oh, yeah. got a yeah. very dark sky and it's got all the aurora in it. I like that one. That's one very, very pretty one, actually. But in, in terms of brightness, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not, you wouldn't think of that as being a night battle, especially. No, no, no. But that's probably one of the closest ones that sticks in my head, yeah. at least. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they could use even just a series of small kind of scripted operations style tutorials to get across a lot of, of, of what you've been talking about. But mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever really seen any sign that they're inclined to do that. I mean, it took World of Tanks a lot of years before they put in a, a very basic scenario for beginners of, you know, here's, here's how all this stuff works, is how, you know, spotting works, is how you move a tank, is how armor penetration works, and, you know, really, really quite basic stuff, but if you're a completely new player coming to the game, then it at least gives you a, a solid foundation of, okay, this is, you know, this, this is what consumables do, and this yeah. is what the different shell types do, and, yeah, World of probably could use something like that, to be honest. You can't yeah. even... So like you can't even easily find out which ships have radar. Um, you can't really do that in game, but let alone, you know, even looking yeah. up 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 the wiki, it's not like you can say, "Oh, I want to see all the ships that have radar," so you have that knowledge in your head. Yeah, the other problem as the well. Individual ships. Yeah, the other problem as well is as well like take a ship that's been removed completely. If mm. you haven't got mods, you can't see it on the tech tree <laughs> anywhere. So I can't look up the stats for that ship in game. I have to go to the wiki or go to someone's video to find the info on it. If I come up against that ship, I'm screwed as a new player because I don't have access to the info about it in the game. I've got to go actively go figure out what it was and find out what the stats were. And again, it's been removed. So what's the odds that stats have changed or something's happened in some blog somewhere? You know, and the vid might be out of date, mm -hmm. even if I do find the right resource. The best option is the wiki, but a lot of people don't refer to the wiki. Some even don't even know it's there. So, you know, you come up against a ship that's not in the game. You can't access its information in game easily. There are mods, obviously, you can get. Like, I've got the Tech Tree expansion one that shows you pretty much everything there is. Mm -hmm. But unless you know about that, again, as a new player, I stalled off on installing mods for a few months. I know a bunch of players that are reluctant to because either they're worried about the mods being authorized. This is why I say to the guys, just use Mod Station. If you're really concerned about that, just use those and you're covered. Um, or they just don't like flat-out mod in their game. Or they've got a PC where they don't want to add that additional loading, no matter how small it may be. Um, and then they've basically been starved of information that they really ought to have. 
no matter what, you know. It would be nice if in that tech tree, in the default game, there was like an archive. Mm-hmm. Or at least like a panel on the right, like with the expanded tech tree thing, where it shows all the stuff that's been removed that you can't get anymore. Because, like I say, without that information, yeah, like I say, unless you go looking, which half players aren't going to be inclined to do, um, you've put them at immediate disadvantage on top of the fact they're a new player already. And that that's really disingenuous and, and, and quite a problem because it's like, where do you look for that info? And, and, and the thing with it being in-game as well is it's going to be up to date, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of what's in a vid summer or regardless of what's in the wiki, you know that it's got that caliber, you know it's got that armor configuration because that is literally the up-to-date version of it so no matter what somebody has said or their opinion of it or whatever at least that's correct information with regards to the stats of it regardless of how it plays gameplay wise at least that can give you some sort of basis for a judgment on how to deal with it because your only other options to ask in chat in game and that's not terribly practical when you're trying to multitask and you're brand new to the game because there's nothing things for you to worry about you know Without adding, um, I need to research five different ships that I have no idea what they are. Bear with me ten minutes, guys. I'm going to sail in that direction, and I'll be with you in ten minutes. But um, I'm going to scoot onto a wiki and find out what on earth's going on, unless you guys are willing to tell me. And, you know, and again, you might end up in a player just full of other people that don't know either. Mm-hmm. You know, and at that point, the team's kind of screwed, because you're all, like, running around going, oh, my gosh, how do we deal with this? And then all you, the first thing you know is you've got a barrage of stuff flying at your face, and it's like, okay, well, what do I do now? You know? Um, and I think the usual answer to that is we'll just focus it down and pray it dies quickly so we don't have to deal with it anymore. Because <laughs> that's literally all you can really do in that situation. If you haven't got that information and nobody in your team has that info or they're not willing to communicate that, it's say, what else can you do? And and that only gets worse the more tears you go up because there's going to be more and more of these ships that you encounter that just aren't there anymore. And it's like, what do you do? You know, and often ships are removed either because they're coming out of rotation or they're not balanced or whatever. So even more reason why you need to be equipped with the knowledge and how to deal with them, because if they are a problem or they need to be dealt with in a very specific way, you're stuck, right? You're yeah, really I'm... stuck. And that could be critical to losing a match because they could just sweep down one side and absolutely wreck you, you know. Yeah, I mean, you don't just expect a destroyer to suddenly radar you oftentimes, or suddenly a battleship just pops up radar and you are like, uh, you, fi- you thought you finally figured out who, who has what, and then you just, yeah, and they, with the amount they release new ships, anyway, they throw so much information away. I mean, if you don't, like, read the dev blocks constantly, you aren't aware of what, mm. like, they, they, they have, like, every patch, they have, like, three or so new ships, and if you don't keep up with it, not like anyone's gonna tell you yeah i mean i was off sick for a month in may and i'm massively behind <laughs> i'm trying to catch up but i'm not there yet i've still not got caught up so it, it's very easy to fall but again with people having jobs and families it's it's so mm-hmm. so easy it effectively turns the the game into a job and if you're playing on multiple regions as well which not everybody does i know but again that also stalls you out and makes it harder but at least with patch info, it's transferable between regions because they keep that consistent. So there's at least that in the favour of keeping up to date with patch notes. But even so, um, it keeps you very, very busy. You know. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the whole solution by any means, but um, bringing up Will Attacks, uh, they actually have a tool, uh, an in-game comparison tool, so you can look up the stats of of uh, vehicles you don't own necessarily, you can mm. kind of tweak them so they they have different 
commander skills or, you know, different crew skills or different equipment. And you can compare them to other different vehicles. And about the only thing you can't really do is is look up the armor models in-game. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's just overall a very, very useful tool. And I think something like that in, in World of Tanks would be, uh, would be uh, in World of Warships, would be very useful as well. Yeah, it's a shame that they don't often take the, you know, from, from their own game, right? You'd feel like if it's, if they have in-house that already, or like, as, as has been pointed out, I think by previous episodes, some things that we thought would be cool in World of Warships, you're like, oh, hey, that's in World of Warships Legends. And you're like, and why is it not in World of Warships? Yeah. So, so we've, we've criticized the game a lot. What? Let's come to another topic. So, what what do you guys enjoy about the game? What what is it that keeps you like uh, coming back despite everything? It's kind of a tough question. <laughs> I mean, I can start. Like, right. So, what I yeah, really yeah. <laughs> like about World of Warships is, I mean, people make fun of the thinking man's action game because a lot of people aren't thinking that much during. But it really, it feels sometimes a little bit like, I don't know, a, a more uh, action-packed version of like chess because it doesn't really matter how fast the reflexes are. Like your aiming doesn't need to be the best. You need to know where to go. You need to know when to push. You need to know when to retreat on a flank. You need to know how to take objectives. It's a lot of knowledge. Like Actually, what we've just discussed, right? There's so much information in the game and the information is oftentimes what makes you good at the game, right? And not not that that you know exactly where where to overmatch or what you know it's uh, or where exactly to aim. Although aiming is important, and I I like that because it's it's really a game where I feel like just thinking will get you ahead. Well, I, yeah, I, I I would probably agree with that. Um, that it's I, I've played other shooty games in the past, not not just World of Tanks, but um, stuff like I don't know Team Fortress Two, a bit of Battlefields, um, some co-op shooty stuff like Payday Two, <laughs> and yeah, I, I just I really like the pace. I mean, partly also I like the history. I had a vague interest in in the the history of of uh, especially 20th century kind of uh, warships prior to prior to even playing uh, video games really we're going way back but um yeah it's kind of a, it's kind of a really good fit in that regard as as kind of matching various interests of of mine and um, the the style of gameplay which i know is quite like it's not everyone's cup of tea it's definitely too slow paced for for some people, but uh, yeah, you, you get a lot more room to um, to 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 make mistakes. Generally, a lot of shooty shooty games, you 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 don't have a lot of margin for error, and it it can kind of go from naught to hundred really quickly in terms of oh I've made a mistake, oh I'm dead. I think I think World of Warships has a, a slightly gentler pace of learning in that regard, although you still see some, some people just rushing in face first and getting obliterated mm-hmm. really really quickly at the start of a game. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just a combination of things. 
I also like the team player aspect. Once again, people will might probably fun of that because I know there isn't their team play is often just an accident or happens randomly, but it's it's the simple thing that if you just you're in a destroyer and you spot something and somebody shoots it like there are the frustrating times you spot the enemy destroyer and nobody cares. But there will be the times when you spot an enemy and your team actually shoots at it. And I feel like that there are I, I personally prefer ships that can do more than just do damage, right? Like if I'm in a, a battleship, I want to be tanking for my team. I want to be there to lead a push, right? I want to feel like I have a bigger impact than just doing damage. If I'm in a destroyer, I want to take caps and I want to spot for my team and so on. And I like that World of Warships offers quite a few ways of supporting your team with other things than just, I don't know, killing stuff, right? If only you would get rewarded for it. In the uh, end game screen. That that would be even better, yeah. you know. Yeah, that would be nice. Again, taking it from the noob's perspective, you know, being a DD, I I feel pressure to do damage because there's not enough emphasis on the spotting and the zoning. I think that's the other thing as well. Like zoning just really isn't demonstrated really in any clear, tangible way, right? And just keeping the enemy out of the sight even if it's just with some torps to make them turn away or that that's really, really important. It'd be really cool if the mechanics could account for that. If, if, if you chuck something their way, that's a threat, but doesn't necessarily hit them, but it causes them to react by going away for you to get mm-hmm. some sort of reward for creating that zone of, ter- you know, territory, territory control, right? You haven't capped necessarily, but you've done something useful for the team because you've stopped them from capping or you've potentially stopped them from spotting because the other guys had to go away. And that that's really really important. And and yeah, for somebody that's new, that it, it's not really emphasised enough. But by playing DDs recently with the guys talking me through it, this is something that's increasingly being demonstrated to be important: is the positioning, zoning others, and the spotting. My temptation to use the guns constantly is really working against me. I'm playing the Kegaru at the moment, mm-hmm. and. I'm playing it with a top reload, <laughs> so I don't have the option of hiding. But it's it's teaching me some really good lessons at the moment because I've got to stay stealthy. I have to kind of stay quiet. But my contribution is coming from keeping an eye on players, preventing them from sneaking up on others. And when I do use the tops, I'm using them to force somebody away. I forced a battleship into another battleship earlier today, and that caused a bunch of chaos, but it made them super vulnerable to the other teammates. And they were able to harvest them and get rid of them. And then, boom, gone, that's two threats out of the uh, equation. So it was super, super useful. But I didn't, as a player, I didn't really get any reward for that. My teammates did, but I didn't really get anything other than I know I've done something good in this instance. But it's only by getting that education from my community that I realized that. Obviously, zoning can be important in other games. You know, you take something like CSGO, mm-hmm. right? Or or even in, like, Battlefield. There was a particular map with a tunnel. And I used to be nasty for sitting near that tunnel in a dirty little spot. And I would just get people as they yeeted through. And I was like, just, you know, mow them all down. Because I knew at that choke point I could hold them off and they couldn't get through by playing it like that. So effectively doing something similar like that warships is super, super important. But say you don't get a really tangible feedback reward. There's a disconnect in that feedback loop. Mm. And And that needs rectifying. That really does. Because especially for a new player they're not going to realize that's actually what they should mm-hmm. be doing in certain ships, especially ones that are really heavily tailored towards that kind of thing. And especially with something like cruisers and D like there's there's diverse roles within those classes, depending yeah, on yeah. how you set them up, you know, like I say, Kegaru with or without smoke is, is two very different ways of playing. Right. Then you've got your hit and run 
DDs, and then you've got your DDs that are almost virtually just scouting, right? And you don't get the distinction when you're a new player. You have no idea. It's like, oh, it's a boat with torpedoes. I'm just going to yeet torpedoes everywhere and, and just pray something hits. Um, and it, it's quite... You know, it, it's understandable why a lot of new players like myself come in and we just think, yeah, I'll just, I'll just yeet as many torpedoes out as I can and just pray something hits and destroys. When actually maybe just hanging back, chilling, observing is more what I should be doing, you know. Or, oh, so-and-so's going between this island gap. I'm going to torp that island gap to make it impossible to pass so they can't sneak around the back and go get my teammates. But unless you get that, positive reward for doing that you're not going to see that as an opportunity that's important or valid because the other thing as well is you get yelled at by teammates sometimes that are going why aren't you doing any damage why are you in that position and you may actually be doing a good thing but they just don't understand or comprehend either that actually there is something useful in what you're doing Mm -hmm. it's just they don't see it either because again they might be a noob but in a different role and one of the things i did as well is i played a lot of bbs to start with i settled into that role very quickly and by narrowing the field of what I was playing, I didn't understand what other people were doing and why. And there's that lost in translation scenario. I'm speaking English. Mm-hmm. They're speaking a different language, essentially. I'm speaking BB. They're speaking Didi. And it's <laughs> and it doesn't. Do you, do you know what I mean? It doesn't translate because you you don't mesh yeah. roles with each other. They've got a specific thing they need to do. I got a specific thing I need to do. But knowing how those work collectively gets lost if you don't jump into their feet uh-huh. jump into their shoes and and early on that i think that also brings conflict in teams you you because there's that not that mutual understanding because you're speaking a different language effectively oh yeah yeah there, there, there is that a lot like you're in your destroyer and you are trying to scout for a team and they're like ah oh, you idiot spot then you're like the the enemy cruiser is sitting in a smoke screen. I can't see inside a smoke screen. I would yeah, be spotting well they, otherwise, right? And then they yeah. report you, and then they're like, oh, everybody report out, destroy, he's not spotting. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm right here. I can't see him because he's inside a smoke screen, you know? Yeah, yeah. or or it might be the, the visual distance. You know, I, I can yeah. get spotted within that range, so I have to back off a little bit. It's not that I'm not doing my job. It's just I'm going to a safe distance to do it. Or, yeah, or you're avoiding radar, for example. Zone. Yeah. But you get what I mean. But it's like they don't have that information, so they can't come to the judgment, and they're not seeing it from your perspective. And that and that creates this conflict of why aren't you being productive? They see a DD just sat there between islands, not in the cap. I mean, one of my mis mis um, interpretations was I should get into the cap as fast as I can. Actually, what I'm being told now and being taught is that I shouldn't be yeeting myself straight into the cap and putting smoke straight down. It's a terrible habit I've developed. And shouldn't be doing because everybody goes, oh, there's a smoke, kill it. There's something in there. Spray it down. You know, here comes all the talk and you get murdered very quickly. But that's the bad habit I've developed because of what other players were reinforcing from when I started the game. And also my first impression of what a DD should be doing. And now I'm having to unpick that now because I know Mm. better now. But it's such a bad habit. I'm trying really, really hard to undo it. Um, and I also have a problem of panic smoking as well. Somebody sees me, I should just be engineering and out of there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I'm in something like the kangaroo with the torp reloader, and I waste my torp reloader because I'm panic smoking because it's the same button. And, and you know, it's silly, but it's, it's just because that got ingrained so early on, it's so easy to get stuck in that habit. And it's it's trying to undo that now that I know better. But it, it as I say, once that's set, it's it's very hard to re-educate yourself. And thankfully, the guys have taught me, and I'm getting there. But 
But yeah, it's, it's no wonder you get all these people in low tiers that just YOLO straight into the cap, almost like you would in a co-op battle. You get people getting like, you don't see that so much at higher tier. You get more the people holding back and, do you know what I mean? But, um, but even like middle tier, do you know what I mean? I see people just yeeting straight in and doing that still. And they either get caught out or radar kicks in. And that's another problem I have as well, because I was doing that going in really hard and fast approach. Radar. I mean, and you know, there's so many radar ships, right? They just come in and you just get utterly obliterated. And it's like, well, no wonder why I'm getting obliterated. But it's like without changing the view and the way I look at what's expected of me in that role, I was just going to keep doing it. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Until, until I got that feedback from the game and from the people I was playing with it's like it's no wonder why people just keep doing the same thing over and over and and you, you know it's insanity to expect it to be different right yeah but, you, you really need to reward know. people for playing right because like people take some that they think that there's some kind of feedback right if they do well on the scoreboard i think they have done well right and they yeah. don't really think about what they could have done better or they don't really think about why am i scoring so high or why am i scoring so low it's sometimes right because Mm. They they might have been sitting in the back, they had a full health battleship that's the last one remaining, but they do okay on the scoreboard because they have ramped up damage, but they don't think like, what if I had played more aggressive, what if I had tanked some damage from my team, then they would have survived together with me, and I didn't really need to be at full health at the end of the battle, right? They mm. But they won't realize that they're doing it wrong, because the game tells them you do it okay on experience, and from their perspective, they're like, if I'm the last ship remaining with full health, everybody else must have been doing it wrong, right? They don't... Think out if it's a team thing that they had a role to play. They look at it as only from their perspective, and they're like, "Hey, if everybody had done what I did, everybody would be full health, right?" Of, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I'd like to see rewarded more is just the the, the art of distraction. I know that's it's, it's a really not very tangible thing, but I've seen matches where people get completely tunnel visioned on one ship that's just yeeting off into the distance. And that's actually doing something really valuable because they've like massively weakened a flank. So again, talking about zoning, right? This is effectively a form of zoning, right? Because if you're luring people away from the main fight and they're not capping and they're not controlling the map and they're not focusing on really critical targets, you're actually doing a really good job, especially in a cruiser or a uh, DD, right? So, some tangible way of like okay i might not be tanking the damage or whatever but just the sheer distance they've traveled away from the objective and perhaps the main cluster activity i mean i always see it as like a heat map do you know what i mean mm-hmm. maybe it could be based on some form of heat map um to assess where the main combat scenario is happening and if a dd or somebody is luring somebody away from that main scenario that is a form of zoning and therefore should be rewarded if that makes sense if they're avoiding taking damage while luring effectively there should be some sort of tangible reward from that because the the times I've seen flanks fall apart or it's given another DD an opportunity to get in and get the cap because they're completely distracted and not paying attention to them, you know, that needs its own form of reward in some way. I don't know how you do it. I guess that's say heat maps would probably make the most sense, but I, I really want to see that because I think that'd be really, really good because that, that in itself is very important. But again, as a newer player, you just don't, it's not focused on, it's not talked about, it's not, demonstrated in the direct like post-engagement feedback do you know what i mean um yeah it's, and, it's and, hard to really find a way to properly reward that it's yeah it's, it's always tricky trying to come up with with you've got to find a mathematical way haven't you to demonstrate yeah, that, that, it and be that, like quantify it you've got to be able to say this is what this is 
so that the game understands, right, This they are doing this activity, they are doing this behaviour, therefore reward it, and they're t- you're a cat, man. Yeah, he's, he's trying to, I think he wants to go out, he's starting to uh, make a nuisance of himself. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is translating behaviour into mathematics, effectively, yeah. isn't it? And it oh, is. so really... How do you do that? It's an interesting question in game design, is how do you <laughs> translate behaviour into something that's quantifiable for it to understand and therefore give the player the feedback. There's, there's a, a quite a good example from, from Warships of a, a little while back, and possibly ATAM will, will remember this, but um, oh, this is probably like, I don't know, two, three, maybe four years ago, they, they really buffed the amount of XP that destroyers got for capping, and the, mm. the there was quite a marked change in player behavior from that. Of, of all the destroyers were basically zerging for the caps and kind of ignoring a lot of other important stuff because capping was where the XP was. And so they eventually did, uh, like after a couple of patches, I think they they nerfed it down again a mm. bit. But um, yeah, just it, it goes to show that sometimes like trying to reward players to do uh, a good thing, in this case, getting destroyers to cap, you know, that can actually have unintended consequences of it. Yeah. It, it can have kind of negative effects elsewhere. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it is, it's a really tricky thing trying to reinforce positive behavior, but then you don't want to reinforce it too much because that can have it. A, 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 yeah. A you end up with the opposite problem of yeah. other duties being neglected. I mean, the other argument to make with this is if you know a specific set of destroyers have a specific behavior or design job, that it's slightly adjusted for those destroyers mm. in the sense that if you know one is more hit and run, if you know one is more scouting mm-hmm. for you do a slight modifier in bias of that. So it's encouraging and focusing on the type of play style that's expected and what it's designed for. The thing is you don't want to go too far with that because then you end up pigeonholing it completely into that job. And sometimes it's necessary for them to come out of that job because you can't, dictate the composition of your mm-hmm. team you could end up with yeah. just a ton of zoning dds or whatever and you need them to be able to do the other things and not be de-incentivized to do the other jobs because you don't want everybody going well screw it i'm just capping bye bye rest of you or i'm just going to go really wide and try and get behind them or i'm going to just hit and run constantly uh you, th- there's a degree of flexibility that has to be built into the system or the matchmaking system has to change which i would argue it does need to anyway but um yeah, there's that conflict there. There's an issue there. If you get a weird composition, you know, um, that, that, yeah, if you are incentivizing certain ships in a certain direction because of their style and build, that, yeah, you, you could further hinder, if the composition of the team isn't right, the ability of the team to function as a whole because they are so heavily focused on your skirmishing DDs or heavily focused on zoning or whatever. And that in itself could be detrimental, you know, so... It's, it's, there's no easy answer. <laughs> I think I see Enjoy the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Cat's trying to say hi. <laughs> but you get what I mean though, right? I'm not like, being yeah. terribly eloquent about it, but I think you get the general gist of what I'm trying to say. Um, you know what I, I thought? Like some, some games have, when you pick a class, like in a class-based game, like an RPG or so, mm. there, there is like a graphic that there is a, this, this is more like range DPS and this is more like tanking or you see like uh, mm-hmm. certain points and how strong a class is supposed to be in, in certain fields. That could at least add something. I mean, uh, 
I, I would be afraid how Wargaming rates that, but if they do it properly, they could say this, this destroyer is very good at scouting and very good at maybe taking objectives and this destroyer is more good like for open water gunboating and for like, right, if, if they have yeah. like prop, properly strengths, not, not the sales pitch, not like this ship has great anti-air when you can shoot down a plane, but like the actual mm. evaluation. Like, I mean, they have in game, they have those random numbers that they put like to, do you have so much anti-air power and you have so much consumer power and they, they are mostly misleading and mean nothing. Well, the other they thing as well like is you properly. need to be able to translate that. You need to translate yeah. that. And if you're a new player, you're like, oh, there's a ton of numbers here. What on earth do these mean? And how do they fit into the grand scheme? And the only way you're going to know that is by having a lot of knowledge about other ships and the way they operate. And you're just as a new player not going to have that. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to go down... Sorry, you were saying? I was just going to say, at most, you can look at the classes and maybe have a somewhat broad idea. But yeah, yeah when you look at the diversity there is in destroyers, for example... Mm. That's not that useful. No. I mean, I would argue if you want to go down that um, route, ATAM, is um, something like League of Legends. When you go into their shop, mm-hmm. it gives you a brief rundown of the character's history. But in addition to that, you've got some general playstyle information in there with small micro videos on the particular skills. So maybe something in that vein where it goes. Yeah, I, League of Legends is not. I know chats like League of Legends. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's not the best example, but just something where it just goes. Hey, look, this is the equipment it's got. It tends to be more hit and run, or, or if this is you know, if you play it this way, it's it, bear, bear in mind. Oh, it's got a huge citadel. If you go broadside, you're going to get hardcore punished for it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, look at Omaha mm-hmm. for example, right? I am horrendous in that thing because I'm terrible at positioning. I get destroyed every time because i sit brought and i know it shouldn't i know it shouldn't but someone picking it up for the first time is going to be like okay what happened but if they had a little bit of like precursor info just going yeah you're going to get blapped really bad in this particular one if you're broadside be extra extra careful with that particular element at least it will then get their eyeballs on okay i need to be really focused on this just to get them kind of off the starting block with it if that makes sense Mm-hmm. It's got weak armor for its tier, like a very generalized statement like that. Weak armor for its tier. It's got very big guns for its tier. It's got better range than the average ship in its tier. Something like in that. It's got higher fire setting rate, you know, for like a lot of yeah. British ships. You know, just some very broad little statements like that would at least give you some sort of base gauge of what it is. Okay, I need to be playing this predominantly HE. Okay, mm-hmm. I need to be staying more at distance. This one's got good secondary, so I could brawl it a bit more if I want to. You know. This has got weak armor on this particular point of the ship. You know, the, you've got like the cheek thing right on a couple of ships. So maybe just even yeah. having that highlighted is just bear in mind that people are going to focus that. So you want to protect that part of your ship. So that just having that in your mm-hmm. brain just immediately might make you go, okay, I'm going to play this slightly differently because I that's been highlighted to me as a problem with this ship. But also do it for the flip side of the strengths. Okay, I've got very high caliber. I'm probably going to overpen everything. So I might need to be a little bit more discerning with what i pick against lighter targets because i'm going to overpen them so ridiculously you know he is probably just going to be the way forward unless it's something extremely bulky i'm against in my tier in which case then i probably can get away with ap without the penalty of overpenning right mm-hmm. but if you're not presented with that information like i said you've got to know the matchup info in order to come up to that decision right just having a little broad set of basic pros and cons this is more a skirmish ship. It's more HE focused. Do you know what I mean? That would at least give people a baseline to work off of to get them started. 
Das yeah, I mean, ideally, if it was a with a short video from from like two three minutes or so, where they show like, hey, this this, uh, if you angle like this, you you're exposing yourself, right? If you angle like this, you should be fine. Or if everyone is gone over, make sure don't even try. Uh. Oh, is that a thing? What Z files said? Something in the tech tree where you can click over it and there's an exclamation mark. Is that a thing? I didn't even know about that. Uh, I've got the client open right now. Hang on, let's have a look. Mm. Oh, no, 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 again, that's something I'm not aware of. That's a thing. <laughs> that's cool. But no, that, that that never was. Okay, that's cool. All right. See, this is the problem. Things like that being buried. Why, why isn't it easier to know about? That would be my next question. I mean, there's the various tool tips, but they tend to... I'm not sure if that's what he, he means. I don't know. As I say, I just mentioned it in chat, and I just thought it might be worth looking at. Yeah, I'm just having a look now. I'm not entirely certain what they just mean with exclamation Just a mark. thought, but, yeah. I mean, if there is some of that info in then then great. But, yeah, the next I mean, question I is, why isn't it more prominent? But let's, you know, I could just start up the client, I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I just thought, I mean, that's potentially very useful. But again, I didn't know it was there. I had absolutely no oh. idea. I try and dig around, but I there's bound to be things I've missed. Oh, they mean the little, yeah, the little info buttons on uh, those things. Okay. Yeah, they kind of give you a very general overview of this ship line is decent hands. So the main Japanese destroyer branch, for example, it says, you know, powerful mm -hmm. torpedoes, good mm -hmm. stealth, rate of fire. So it kind mm -hmm. of gives you, gives you some key characteristics. That's yeah. what we're talking okay. about. Okay, so, yeah, so it does it for the whole line. Yeah. yeah. The lines are unfortunately not necessarily that consistent. And it's well, that's probably the more of a sales pitch, right? Because, mm. see, this is the other thing, right, as well. Like, the, you mean, take the American BBs, they're incredibly slow up to what, like, tier six, right? Uh. And then it shifts a bit, doesn't it? At tier eight, they get fast. The American BBs are slow, including tier seven. Yeah, yeah. But, but think... you know, what I mean, yeah, you get those shifts, right? You've also got exceptions, like um, in the British line. Is it the King George or the Lizzie that's AP biased rather than HE? Uh, probably like the tier six and tier eight are both kind of more AP focused. Yeah, yeah. It's it's little exceptions so... like that. Um. It does actually, I, I've probably noted this feature in the past and then I just kind of, you know, my eyes glass over it. But yeah, it does kind of, like, if there's a break in the line, so for instance, mm -hmm. from the, the Colorado, like the, the North Carolina is now on a side branch and that's got its own separate thing. And in the Japanese uh, destroyer ones, it's got uh, a separate one for Minikaze, Hatsuharu Shiratsu, and then there's another little mm -hmm. info box from Akazuki to Harugumo. So, mm. yeah. Damn, you're doing a very good job of being... <laughs> the camera hasn't broken, it's just there's a black cat sat in front of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at it. For example, if you go for the German battleships, it says high level of armor protection, secondary armament inflicts significant damage and has long range of fire, which I'd say is debatable based on here, and hydroacoustic search available at tier 8. Now, those are the three points that they tell you about Sherman battleships, and they don't really tell you that much. And also high level of armor protection. Uh, the Germans do have their turtle back, and they have decent armor, but, like, if people yeah. know to shoot to the upper belt, which everybody does, they are rather vulnerable, and, I mean, obviously, they just get burned down like everyone else. 
So it's it's like it's it says off like it's not really helpful and slightly misleading. Um the other thing I'd argue with that as well is it's a very broad point, but it doesn't tell you how that impacts playstyle. Yeah. That, that that that's not communicated in those points. It's like great, you've got great tops. Oh oh you've got great right, how does that influence what I can do? Do you know what I mean? It's like right, am mm-hmm. I gonna play this broader or am I gonna snipe back at the back? You know. I mean you you take you got you got some very heavy duty ships, right? From what I understand, like the Vermont is a very heavy duty ship, right? Mm-hmm. But then you've got something like Turpets and Pommon that I love to play. I'll go in and brawl with those, but from what I understand, I shouldn't be brawling in a Vermont because of how sluggish it is. It might be oh, well yeah. protected, but it's designed to stop it from being torpedoed because it's incredibly vulnerable to torpedoes due to its speed, right? But with that, that kind of ship, you need to sit back and snipe a bit more like a Yamato, right? Although the Yamato, in contrast, can brawl in some situations from what i understand but it's very rare that you'll see one do that right what i what i want to do is like okay it's heavily armored but what can i do with that yeah and also like armor reacts differently depending on the angle and then also uh the range at which you're being attacked and by what ammunition type right so you've got heap and sap to take into account right so you know, I might want to brawl up front, but if there's a certain type of ship there with a certain ammo it's more likely to use, I probably want to back off. You know, if I don't have the spec point for fire prevention, I probably want to be a bit wary of those HE spammy ships, especially if I'm in Minkur first, because I'm going to get burnt down otherwise, you know. So, you know, there's implications for your spec, and also, you know, what do you do until you get certain parts of your spec? Because not everybody's going to have a 21-point captain, mm-hmm. right? I don't have fire prevention. I don't want to go in there and get burned. I'm going to go deal with another ship that hasn't got HE. Or I'm going to have to transfer a captain off of another one and go full spec and just go straight in playing it how I believe it should be played. But till I reach that point or make that choice, it's like, you know, what do you do, right? So, because, I mean, that was one of the problems I found with the German BBs. I was just getting burned constantly. It was just H-E spam out the wazoo, right? And it was like, how do I deal with this? I'm just constantly on fire. Like, help, you know? And then the other thing as well is, like, you get the, the, like, the Russian ships and the fact that they've got one less consumable, isn't it, right? So I have this horrible habit of putting one fire straight out. Having to unlearn that for the mm-hmm. Russian BBs was so annoying. But it, it, it makes sense. But un- until you look into it a bit more and then understand the implication that has for the way you play it you see, it's my, very my, easy to get wrecked mm-hmm. my uh, way of dealing with German battleships being often on fire is I've turned it into a bit of a meme I've, um, I've just told you that if you are on fire you just you know get yourself a bratwurst and uh, have a barbecue and thing and I often <laughs> use the, the prediction feature in Twitch how often my Kurfus is going to be set on fire in a certain battle mm-hmm I but yeah, really you're, you're just gonna burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing, right? I got a double fire in a rank match one time. I put it out and then immediately got another double fire, and I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like seriously?" Because <laughs> I just had I had a bunch of ships all focusing me. I was like, "Oh, for God's sake, not again!" So I'm just there trying to tank the damage and try and survive, and then back off. It just you get really trolley matches like that, especially. But in certain ships, they're just particularly bad for problems like that. Yeah, and I mean, a, a, a German battleship like is very intensive on points already. If you wanna go secondary spec, so that the defensive mm. point, the four points that you have for one defensive skill, might be the last thing you take. So that's a very long road down until you get your twenty-one. Yeah, and in, in while you're dealing with that, you're in a compromised position effectively while you're playing, and it's like, how do you accommodate that in your playstyle? You know, 
And this is another thing players don't consider. What what spec do the other players in your match have? How many points do they have on their captain? Because that might explain why they're not playing the way you're expecting them to play. I think everybody assumes you'll have like a maxed out or near maxed out spec, and that's not necessarily the case. And then there's this argument of, well, you've got to go level it up in your own time in bots or something. It's like, well, no, everybody wants to do that. Do you know what I mean? It's not terribly time cost effective manner to do it. So, yeah, it it might explain some of the gameplay differences. Do you know what I mean? With the way some mm-hmm. people go about things. In addition, as I say, to, to lack of information in some areas. And um, as I say, it's all good and well put in. It's got heavy armor or whatever. It's good that it's there. It's just a shame it's buried because I didn't even know it was there. But um, it's like, yeah, what's the implication? You know, there's a there's a bunch of different ships that are heavily armored, but they play very differently. So to just infer that the heavy armor alone should play, be a certain style is incorrect, surely. It's it's like, what do you do with that in combination of the other factors it's got, you know? And, and it's that, that this is where maybe it being a bit more explicit on the specific play style would, be, would make a little bit more yeah. sense, you know what I mean? And just putting that a little bit more in the forefront. I think I think would make sense because otherwise, like I say, where are you going to find that information, and and is it going to be out of date, or is patch X Y God knows whatever changed it? it, it you need this info in game because if you don't have it there, most people are not going to look it up, or they're going to rely on their favourite person they go to to get the information, and that's all good and well to point because at least they're doing that. But um, yeah, for the average player that just wants to pick up and play. It needs to be tangible. It needs to be quick to access, and it needs to be accurate. You know, and it needs and, better information than like for for the Germany story, a short uh, smokescreen dispersion time. I mean, if you're a new player and you read that, you are like, "What's the smokescreen? What's the dispersion time? Is that like an advantage or not?" Yeah, it, it you need to translate it again. It's like talking a different language, right? Especially for somebody that isn't as familiar with the terminology or or just the game in general like you talk about broad concepts like positioning zoning whatever right okay well i know about these in other games but how do they work and operate in this game and for someone that's again we're talking mostly about new players i know because i'm a noob but <laughs> but you know it's it's you got to put it in context right without that context it's all good and well talking this stuff but you got to be able to go right there's this and this means this and the consequence of that is this and therefore, you should either be doing this or you've got to pick from X, Y, Z choices based on whatever's going on in said battle, right? To then come up with the right decision. You're not always going to get it right. It's very subjective in many cases. A lot of it relies on what your teammates are doing as well. Plus, you've got the added factor of, you know, composition of the team as well as your captain spec, among other things. And that the captain specs of your teammates, because they may not be ideal. Um so, yeah, it, it, it's about having choice and it's making that connection, right, between statistics and how something typically will play versus how in reality it will play out in a given context, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. There's that disconnect is what, what I argue is kind of the problem. Thanks, Cabo. Charming. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to shut up for a few minutes. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's much more to go on after that, really. I mean, you know, it's difficult, but there are things that could be done to make information more accessible, definitely. 
let's say it's a difficult topic, so Warcaming has decided to just not deal with it at all. Instead of trying to find a solution, they're like, yeah, this seems hard. Maybe we just do nothing. Well, I think I I see one easy solution to deal with this that would actually offload a lot of the work off them. And I've talked about this privately with a few people, and I'm I'd be interested to see how chat react to this. But what about an in-game library, essentially a store like the Armory, right? Mm-hmm. And it has curated content from the key creators in the community, and and you have like a line like latest patch specific ship stuff underneath noobs 101 and you can just go into there click it and when you watch it you get a reward for engaging with it and you can just watch the content in the game they've already got browsers in the game so that's not an issue right Mm -hmm. they can just stream it straight in you'd need to pick and curate the content they'd need somebody to do that on their end so there is a cost implication to that there's also the loading issue of streaming stuff into the client so on and so forth right but but basically, yeah, you could just have a curated library of content. They don't then need to make the content. It's all kept up, just up to date by the creators. And and you've also got a wealth of potential perspectives on matters, right? And then also, you can bung all the ship reviews in there as well. What I would argue, though, with ship reviews is they don't discriminate or pick and choose with those. They should have the full array because just from a transparency point of view and no bias, right? You whack the whole line, right? But when it comes to the tutorials, it's like, right, is this up to date? Is it accurate? And also, like I say, if a few people have covered certain things, maybe just bung the playlist in, mm-hmm. and then they click the playlist, it just drops the playlist down, and you can see in the right panel the different topics, and then the person can go pick the different topics from that particular creator. If they have got a bias or a preferred person they want to go to that they either see as more reliable or they prefer their presentation style, or they just like the particular array of topics and how they're presented right? Because somebody might want a very comprehensive thing that breaks down armor and ammo interaction. Somebody else might just want something purely on HE or something purely on HE in the British line, for example. So that can be catered for in that manner, if that makes sense. But essentially, it just creates an in-game navigator, essentially, Mm -hmm. for content. And then all you've got to do is each patch refresh it, but like, right, we need all the latest new patch stuff at the top. We'll have an archive tab for older patches so people can go back and retrospectively look at the old content we may need to have a cutoff point because of loading right or mm-hmm. like i say it only loads three rows and it stops and then you choose to load the rest right just to try and balance the loading on the game and streaming of days for an information right because i can see that having overheads right potentially but but i think that would just it make it really accessible you can reward your players for engaging with it um if if they in some tangible way demonstrate that that information has improved their gameplay and maybe reward the player there as well. You could even attach like a mission line to a set of videos. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got your Noob 101 series. Go watch all of that. You then unlock a mission set. Mm-hmm. And then you go and demonstrate zoning in a match. You go and get torpedo hits, but survive the match. You go and play as a bb and it calculates your angling and goes actually you did really good like 80 percent of that match your angling was very good bingo you get a tick on that box and then it would just give you that little bit of feedback do you know what i mean to the new player that's just trying to and also for more experienced players that are just coming back and they're a bit like oh my god what's happened here you know it gives them an option to re-engage get up to date and reward them and also give them some get start material if they want to go buy some signals or get some camos they can easily do it with that material potentially right 
I mean, it would be hard so to I... reward, like, like for example, angling, because I feel like that would be really hard to track how well you're angling during a match or so on. I mean, you could count shells that <clears throat> bounce off your armor or something, but that might just be, like, uh, an extent or whatnot. So I'm not sure about actually trying to reward people for demonstrating the skills that were shown in the videos, but I, I yeah. get the curated sanction, right? If you just uh, click on in-game guides, just if you have in-game, or if you just can link you out in a browser for like here, right? But I mean, I could have also linked like the Wargaming wiki, like the, 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 yeah. com the complete wiki. Why isn't it accessible in the client, right? Yeah. As you yeah. pointed out, they have browsers in there. Why can't I just open the yeah. wiki from in-game? I I would argue that should be part of that segment of the store, whatever you want to call it. It should be part of it. And going back to Sully's point in chat about non-English speakers, um, it, yeah, it sucks that there's less non-English speaking content out there, but that's just a matter of the logistics of what's out there and who the creators are. Um, we do have content in different languages. It does exist, but it is it is somewhat more limited. Um, but this is where I would argue perhaps you look at things like subtitling um, and filters for content that is that specific language. So people can easily search and find those niches with language to try and reduce that barrier to entry, if that makes sense. Or perhaps have written versions. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, like a script. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where it's been converted from video to text. Maybe that could sit underneath the video, you know, and, and it could run it like that, maybe. It's just as an alternative to, to help with alternate language access. Also, I mean, they, have, they have creators in a lot of different languages, so I feel like yeah, they, they have... Do. It's just a case of finding know. them, isn't it, right? Yeah, yeah, but they, they could also link that, right? That you could choose a language. I mean, they have on their website, yeah. they have creators listed, and I think they have them listed even by language. Uh, yeah, I think the do. language is listed, right? But it's yeah, all it's it all not accessible really in-game, right? All of the, the stuff that yeah. they sort of create, it's just somewhere on a website, right? Yeah, but this is why I would argue, yeah, put a filter in for language. And, um, yeah, have have translations and subtitles. Often YouTube videos do have subtitles. Or community people can come in and do your subtitles on YouTube. So that's another option for the creators. If it was worth their time, more of them would be inclined to do it. And if Wargaming really do want to make sure there's something for everybody, then, you know, maybe they should consider paying some of the creators to do a specific series. Make sure the basics are covered in as many languages as possible. Get them in to do it specifically. And I make don't a big think they even need to pay them. If, if you're guaranteed a feature, be, but... right, if you, they say we put your video in the client, I think a lot of creators, oh, especially yeah. smaller ones, will be like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to create your account. Mm. I think a lot would, but if they were really, really like specifically hamming on a problem with a specific language, that might be the way to just go in and deal with that specific problem. If that makes sense. Or they do a collaboration between a few people and maybe some translators or something. And then tackle it that way. And then it's like dubbed or something for a different language, just so that they've got that coverage for those like really, really niche languages, maybe. Just as another angle. But yeah, they do have a lot of different creators. It's just a matter of finding them. But that's where I think the filtering tool would be useful. And they've already got filters in the game. You can do that in your port. You can do that when you're searching in the store. So why couldn't you apply that to another storefront, essentially, but for learning content? I don't, I don't see why. It's essentially taking the same tool and lifting it copy-paste style, just reapplying it to a different, slightly different use, essentially.
And maybe they're going we're probably, back to yep, Chennai. We're probably getting on for a, on for a bit for time now. Just I've just yeah. noticed. Where... Oh god, yeah, it's like ten past <laughs> nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I we've know. basically covered the the topics you wanted to anyway. Yeah. I I think literally the only other thing we could maybe talk about is the the De Reuter, but I don't know if there's much to say there. It's a it's a tier four light cruiser, and it doesn't have planes yet, so it's not anything no. special. I I haven't played it, I admit. Although I've actually got didn't... a video that I'm I was supposed to come out yesterday, and then there was some technical difficulties, and also I was feeling mm -hmm. super crotty yesterday. So I will do. I am doing. Uh, will will be finished after after the stream. So people can go and watch that, but yeah, it, there's nothing too special about it. It's a tier four light cruiser. It's so unspecial that they even gave it away on. Oh, if we found the loot box, you just need Twitch Prime, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's nice at least to be able to look at it a little early, I suppose. It's not a bad looking ship, at least. I. Didn't even look at it. <laughs> I have it in my part, but I haven't even looked how it looks. Yeah, I, I guess we can wrap it up here pretty much then. Yeah, I, I think so. So uh, where, where can, well, I was going to say, where can people find you, Charade? But it's literally on screen. There we go. Twitch TV dot TV slash Charade. So there we go. There, there's, people can Go watch you there. Have you got a YouTube or anything like that? I yeah, I do. I uh, Shrey Gaming or one word. Um, but yeah, I just post random vids on there. Mostly warships these days. Okay. Yeah. So uh, thanks everyone for watching our newest episode. Uh, it's going to be on Jedi's YouTube in the next few days, probably. So if you've missed something, you can check it out there. And that's about it. Um, yeah, I can do that. This is the point where we all awkwardly wave goodbye. <laughs> this is the point where we all awkwardly wave goodbye, yes. Bye. And yeah. I'm gonna find somebody to raid, I guess. Oh, Usra is on. What raid Usra? Sorry, Zephyr, can you just confirm that's directed at me, or if you're talking to one of the other guys? Uh, yeah, I I guess we, we wave awkwardly a bit more and we, we just <laughs> end the stream here then. Good night, everyone. Yeah. Bye. Thanks for hanging out.